Hello, everyone. Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You can learn more about the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance at forwardthinkingchiro.com. There's a few ways to connect with us on social media. There's the legendary Facebook group, Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. There is the Instagram, which is official underscore FTCA. And I think that's it for now. We don't know Twitter or anything else like that. So check us out there. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the T-Tool, thetool.com. It's an instrument-assisted soft tissue modality tool that helps you do soft tissue work. It's not like those blades. It's three-dimensional. It's like a Swiss Army knife of uh, IASTM tools. It's very handy, and you should check them out at thetool.com. We're brought to you by China Gel. Chinagel.com is family member and we love China gel and China gel loves us and their analgesics and creams and soft tissue cream to use with your T tool and other IASTM tools is excellent. It's a clinic must have you do soft tissue work. So check them out at chinagel.com and Parker seminars. You can check them out at parkerseminars.com. If you missed Neurocon, which just happened, you missed a uh, whopper, you missed a good one. Uh, but apparently I don't have all the information yet, but Parker Seminars, their uh, annual Dallas event is going to be virtual as well. So you have another chance to check out an, a virtual event from parkerseminars.com. And so get all the information you need to know at their website. And finally, I want you to check out uh, a thing that Dr. Kevin Christie and I have coming up for our Chiropractic Success Academy. Uh, you can find information about the Chiropractic Success Academy at our Facebook page, Chiropractic Success Academy. Uh, we're having a virtual business summit. So we're going to have a virtual summit. It's free to sign up. If you don't want to pay any money at all, it's free. Uh, there for small upgrades, you can keep a permanent copy of all these presentations. We're going to have over 20 speakers presenting on business topics. And these aren't your, uh, your slick, your slicky gym suit and tie guru guy all you need is certainty type of business people saying you know just uh, long-term treatment plans and buy our buy our rof machine and you'll magically have thousands of new patients flooding your office this isn't about a magical funnel or facebook ad that's going to save your whole practice these are actual business people and actual chiropractors in the business that are going to talk about real business concepts retirement, investment planning, taxes. Uh, we're getting into the practice management side of things with how to manage your team and how to build a great team, uh, what it's like to be a female business person, all these other concepts that are real business concepts that everyone's sort of, I, I don't want to say they're afraid to talk about, but they just don't talk about them much. And of course, the clinical topics in our superstars in the clinical world, they always get the main stage. But this business stuff, you can't, you can't be an amazing clinic. You can't be an amazing clinician if your doors aren't open. That's a, that's a given. But you can't let the whole world know about how great you are if you're not good at these business practices. So it's really important. Well, or at least Dr. Kevin Christie and I think it's really important for you guys to have this. So we have the Virtual Business Summit. And the easiest way, because it's sort of a, a link, and I'll, I'll put a link into the description for this podcast, but the best way to find out about it, to click, and then to register is just to go to Facebook and go to Chiropractic Success Academy. There's a page, and there should be plenty of ways to click and then register on that page. So other than that, let's get to our guest. 
Uh, today's guest is a sought-after nat national speaker. She's an expert at helping chiropractors grow, fulfilling six- and seven-year practices faster without having to do it the exhausting, extroverted way. Uh, she came from the other side as a pharmacist. She, in her bio, the other side is in quotes. I think that's cute. She came from the other side as a pharmacist. We're all on the same team. Come on now. And kept it a secret to herself about what she really thought about drugs. She then started and grew a business from zero to seven figures the introverted way in less than five years. She's the founder of Fill My Holistic Practice. Uh, Chen Yin is no longer hiding behind her secret and is excited to be living her passion. It's time that our healthcare system is integrated and people stop depending on drugs and surgery when they don't work. Her clients include the past president of the American Chiropractic Association Sports Council, the board members of the American Society of Acupuncturists, and past president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. Chen's mission is to wake up the planet and change the way we treat illness and health. This can happen only if more chiropractors and holistic practitioners get the word out. Your patients need you. Don't be a best kept secret. So let's welcome Chen Yen to the podcast and I hope you enjoy the episode. Bye. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. And my guest today, as we have previously introduced, is Chen Yin, pharmacist. Ma'am, what made you go from being a pharmacist to giving chiropractors business makeovers? <laughs> so I... You're the I've devil. How, how do you yes. switch sides? Coming from the other side here. <laughs> so I started out working on Native American reservations across oh. the country and really enjoyed the, the traveling to, to um, experience the different tribes and culture. And it was just adventurous. And, but but um, after a while, I started feeling really jaded, just going to work every day and then giving people these pills. I remember... One time I went to the pharmacy and gave this woman her Prozac medication and it was just so, um, I felt so angry and not angry at her, but what, at what our healthcare system was putting in front of her as if that were the only option. And here I was endorsing it and where I, I, you know, I grew up in a family that was very conservative with taking medications, yet we, I would see these people come in and you know, little kids who would get immunization shots and then leave with a cocktail of medications, Tylenol and a few other ones. And then, and then I would see um, other people come in, 15 bagfuls of, you know, 15 to 20 medications. It's just, it just drove me crazy. And, you know, have you ever been, been in a point in your life where you just felt like, uh, this doesn't feel like, it just doesn't feel good, right? But don't really know what to do, do next. And and that was happening to me. So at the time, without really knowing what to do, what, you know, what, the one thing that I did know was, okay, I have to get out of here. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I looked around and, and, and just noticed how so many pharmacists I worked with were also, you know, they were unhappy in their jobs. I would see on their computer screens, um, you know, like 15 years and two days kind of to, to retirement because they were in government jobs. Oh, they had countdowns. Yes, okay. exactly. And I thought, oh my goodness, that is not the way to live. And so fast forward five years, I had started and grown a seven figure recruiting business, helping pharmacists 
with getting um, different opportunities to to um, travel to different reservations for for job you know jobs there plus um, plus also in hospitals and different settings. So I used to just think that okay, if I just make more money, then I can do what I really cared about outside of work. But it didn't really happen that way. I got to this point where I felt like so I did a lot of soul searching and, and on the other side of it, I just realized that I needed to stop pretending because here I was, I was super holistic to the extreme on some levels, um, like, you know, little things like I don't own a cell phone and I still can't see myself owning one. And to where I've, I just realized, okay, I need to stop pretending here and, and that I was still selling my soul for people to be on drugs. And, and that's what led me to help chiropractors and other holistic practitioners with their practices, because I believe that, you know, I don't think it's going to be the, the drug companies. I don't think it's the insurance companies or the government changing things. And I think that it really starts with chiropractors and other practitioners, holistic practitioners, getting the word out about what um, they actually, you know, you can actually do for, for people because so much about our healthcare system is just about drugs and surgery. And certainly it's a lot better. More people are, for example, receptive to chiropractic nowadays than, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So a lot has changed, but it's still not happening quickly enough. And so, um, so that's what led me to, to do this work. And since then we've helped a lot of, um, chiropractors in different stages of practice from, from newer in practice to already having a practice that is, is busy, but then, you know, plateauing or just feeling like there's only one of you to go around only so much time in the day. So, so, um, getting to that point where, where the practice can run on its own. Um, yeah. And, you know, some of our clients are, uh, we have clients who like one of our clients is the past president of the American chiropractic association sports council and, and, um, the recent past president of American association for naturopathic physicians, um, of, of naturopathic physicians. She's a client of ours too. And, um, yeah. And, and also, also the, the, um, board member, you know, American society of acupuncturists board members also client of ours. So. Isn't it interesting when we all first start, it's almost like we're in infancy when we're in undergrad. So you and me and a medical physician and a physical therapist and a psychiatrist to be, we could have all been sitting in the same uh, uh, organic chemistry class or physics class, knowing that we're, we're primed and young and ready to save the world in whatever our chosen profession was. And then after we get into the professions, everything changes, right? Yes, we start realizing, oh, okay, these are the things that that are uh, maybe aren't aren't what I thought it would be like, or I mean, I, you know, like pharma, <laughs> that's, there's a good there's a good intention behind the profession, right? And then mm -hmm. you get into it and you realize, oh my God, I'm really just sending people out with a a bag of drugs. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. and so and that's the the view the lens of the medical viewpoint is like we are holistic. We are holistically giving drugs for each one of their problems. Right. You know? and, right. And that's just a philosophical viewpoint. All right. Um, but chiropractors get in the same boat too, where you, you have this ideological fantasy about what the profession is. Then you get into it and you're like, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing every single day. There are some pieces missing here. 
Yes, and so it's exciting that, especially with with the initiatives that you're up to, Bobby, with you know really being progressive and forward thinking, and so bring in. Yeah, this profession's great. You can do whatever you want within the within your scope of practice and laws. Like you can use your whatever your license is, you can use it to its maximum benefit, however you want. So chiropractic's a great profession to be in on the when you want to look at the bright side now there's also mm-hmm. the dark side and that is all the struggles of being a chiropractor um and since you do talk and work with chiropractors day in day out what do you think about these struggles that chiropractors go through what are they telling you sure so i'm going to talk about some you know practical str- struggles right now but also one thing that i've noticed too because a lot of chiropractors went into this to help people and not necessarily to run a business and then them, you know, yeah, they're very out. tender-hearted folks. Very mm-hmm. sweet people. Yeah, and then wondering, okay, now what do I do to uh, to run, run a business? Which doesn't and, lend us strong to business techniques or skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I also see that because actually, this is something that was interesting that I hadn't really thought about initially when I got into business. But um, when I first got into business, I noticed that I would sit around and. So I, I, because I didn't know anything about business, even though I had a doctor degree, so I hired mentors from the start and I was very good at, um, learning, but then I would procrastinate and then, um, and I have, I would have these extroverted mentors who would tell me, Oh, you need to do this and you, you need to do that. And I would just feel so, uh, drained before I even started. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I didn't realize this then, but then later on, I realized that, did you know 30 to 50% of people are introverts, but a lot of what's taught about, um, how to grow a business or, or for example, a, a practice is it's many times it's geared more towards, um, extroverts. And so then Intro, we introverts when we're looking at, okay, we're supposed to be putting ourselves out there all the time and, and be doing, for example, I have, I have clients who, I'm not clients, I have chiropractors who have called me before and they're, they say to me, uh, things to me like, oh, I want to give, you know, two talks a week. This is back, you know, in the day of, of being or being able to speak in person. I just, I would just hear that and think, oh, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> that sounds exhausting <laughs> too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, um, when personally, when I realized that, oh, I need to do things differently and not feel like I have to um, be following what, what extroverted um, people were doing, and then, then it became easier. And the same thing with our clients too. So um, a lot of, cli- of our clients who work with us are fi- find themselves, like they feel like they're more of an introvert than an extrovert. And so when we can really find what um, is in alignment with what their natural energy flow is and preferences and so much easier to grow a practice with that in mind and even choose strategies that are most um, helpful with that in mind. Yeah, we start with with our folks that we work with in the Chiropractic Success Academy, Dr. Kevin Christie and myself, we really try to start with what they're passionate about. And that's probably the same boat because when you hear about their passions or, or their hobbies, you start to figure out who's got introverted or extroverted passions and hobbies and then you kind of go from there and, and guide them to what would be the best ways to grow their practices yes mm-hmm. it's more effective that way so um and then you were asking me about you know other the, as far as overall biggest struggles and then i'm hearing so in terms of of right now because i'm i'm always talking to docs and i also work with a lot of chiropractors day in and day out 
and see what's working and what's not. So I would say a couple of key things. One is certainly needing more new patients right now, especially with what's been happening in, in this climate um, with COVID. And, and even if, if patients are coming back into the practice, um, there are people who, who um, like it's slower, right? And, and need more new patients. Another thing that I'm hearing is that uh, more docs are hearing that people, people are saying money is tight. And or they can't afford it. Like they're hearing more of that of that happening. Um, also, starting a practice in this climate. For those of you listening in who who are are new grads or new newer in your practices, you know what does this this new model of practice look like in when uh, when it could be where it might need to be in quarantine. You know how do you perhaps even generate income other than seeing patients in person one on one. Or, um, yeah. or if you're doing things like telehealth, um, then how do you actually attract telehealth patients? Because people aren't used to a chiropractor seeing tele—I uh, mean, a chiropractor um, working with their patients telehealth. So, um, and then also, what is uh, how do you generate interest in in the practice when when you're just you don't really know anybody in the area, or things have now changed with with uh, the area. Um, also, in terms of, of new, new docs, uh, big student loans, I think, is still, it seems to be a constant thing. You know, a large majority of, of uh, chiropractors I talk to talk about all these uh, loans they're coming out with. That's just crazy. And, you know, graduating into an economy that's lagging. So, um, and, and then finally, I would say it's, it's interesting because, you know, it, I think there, uh, in terms of practices growing and then then looking for new associates and and doctors, I think I, I still am seeing that happening. But um, you know, with with the way things have been lately, it's it's possible that less practices might be looking for for new associates. And so, especially if if uh, right now coming out new, then you know how to get your own practice going and stand on your two feet if there might be less opportunity out there as well. Yeah, there are no shortage of challenges for sure, um, especially with, you know, uh, COVID and and not just COVID itself, but the long-term ramifications, The this thing that we're, people are calling the new normal, um, which are more the long-term, the long-term changes that we'll have to be looked forward to, which we don't know what they will be yet, but I think you can start to sort of, uh, you can start to sort of see the writing on the wall of what the expectations from public health officials, regulators, and the patients themselves are going to be going forward. Um, so do you see anything? We kind of started the podcast with the bad, but trust me, listeners, if you keep going, we're going to get to the good. We're just, we're identifying some of the problems and we'll propose some solutions. So what, uh, Chen, what do you see as far as like long-term impacts of COVID on practice uh, in general. First of all, the struggles, those struggles have always been the same. Pa mm -hmm. doctor, chiropractors have always needed new patients. Uh, patients are always saying money is tight and there's always going to be some sort of new challenge to the students because the schools don't teach the students how to succeed in the real world anyways. This is just, this, uh, this COVID is like a big old frothy whipped cream with a cherry on top that makes it even more challenging. So what do you see as long-term impacts of COVID 
on yes, all Yes, and you know, you just brought up a great point. You know, the, the truth is, it's very interesting because I have clients who, even during the COVID times, are just, they were busy, right? And then I also yeah. look at people who really struggled and were, were, were pretty much going to go out of business kind of a, a feeling with the money and just feeling like, no money and really, really struggling, right? And I would say it. This kind of a thing that just happened, it's and is you know still and we're in the middle of it. It magnified what were leaks there before. That's, That's really it. all it was. Nailed it. Know? That's how you know she knows what she's talking about. And so then, um, then the question becomes, you know, how do what do we do about that? Because. Because the people who are going strong before, right now, they're actually really busy. And, and even the ones, um, you know, during during this whole time, there are people who are also still busy. So why not have that be one of you too, right? Like not one of you, but all of you like that. So um, so in terms of predictions, I, there are a couple of things here that one is with the economy. So, you know, what do you all think? What do you think will happen with our economy with, with uh, recovery? And do you think it's going to be more of a V-shaped recovery, more of a W-shaped recovery, or what about an L-shaped recovery? I think it's going to be like when you skip a rock on the river or the creek. Mm-hmm. I think that's the recovery. It's going to have fm. fits and bounces, but eventually bounce back up. Um, so yes. W's, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. So it's interesting you say that. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment here. And, you know, I don't know. So earlier on, when this whole thing first happened, Paul Krugman, who's a Nobel Prize winning economist, was asked this. And, and back then, he was saying he was thinking it was going to be a Nike swoosh recovery. And then, but what you're talking about is a W-shape recovery. And I will say more recently, I've been hearing more uh, from economists about it being like what you're talking about you know, more of a W-shaped recovery. Well, in high school, I did win the Golden State Economics Award for econ- for economics. And I think it was just because I took typing classes, but I think I know a little bit about economics. There you go. <laughs> See, you're like spot on. Yeah. Right? Like your, your talents from high Take school. Take that, Paul Krugman. Here. What do you yeah. know with your Nobel <laughs> Prize in economics? Exactly. So, um, so yeah, so that if that's, you know, whether it is V-shaped or, or W-shaped or L-shaped, the, um, it's probably going to take some time to, yes. Yes. to recover f- more fully. Um, although it's interesting. I've actually been also watching things. So I, I, I check these things out from a place of curiosity. It's not like, you know, I'm 100% like, oh, that's, that's exactly it. But I will say there is someone who is a, a Vedic astrologer I've been following who's been extremely accurate. And... Um, and even like predicting what will be, you know, happening this year with different things. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, my, my accountant who is super, uh, she's very, you know, logical and all that. And she was, she's, I, I shared it with her and she, she checked it out. She's like, wow, I can't believe how accurate this is. She went all the way back and listened to all these things. Hers. But anyways, <laughs> so, um, but she's, she mentioned that it's probably more of a, um, by early next year, things are probably going to start getting better. And um, in terms of of uh, also something COVID, in terms of COVID related, um, that it will probably be better by you know by the end of the year because there are going to be also some new discoveries and, and things like that. So hey, a reason to be hopeful, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I can just for my practice, I can just go back to all the same things I did before. Uh, Facebook ads are just, I'm, I'm just going to be able to plug right back into that. There will be no changes. 
Um, <laughs> well, so here are some of the, the, the impacts that I'm seeing you know, um, with the economy kinds of things. So for, for one, I think that um, more, more people will be tight on spending as it already is you know, happening. But at the same time, people who have the money will still have the money to spend. And that happened when we had a recession recently, and that happened in the Great Depression, and that's still the case now. You know, there are people who are are uh, struggling right now, unfortunately, with unemployment being high. But at the same time, there are people with money to spend. Another thing is that um, I'm I believe that there's going to be more competition with social media and and online advertising, and um, the so. Why? Because with with COVID happening and more people being indoors, then people are on the internet more. And so also businesses were realizing, oh, maybe I should be reaching out to my people on the internet because they're in the front of the internet more. And this is not just chiropractic businesses, but also all businesses. So including big companies with, with a lot more funding, right? And so, so then, um, that's going to drive up the costs, in my I believe, in, in with paid advertising online. Um, and what that means is that you know having another route that can be bringing patients without having to spend money on on advertising is going to be really helpful as well. Um, another thing that I I foresee is this rise or of in terms of demand in that uh, a need that is is there, which is um, house calls. Um, because, you know, people might not be wanting to, to leave the house as much, at least for, for now compared to before. And so, um, chiropractors who are doing house calls, that can be a great, um, you know, niche area for those of you who have an interest in that. And you can also, you know, you can really benefit, benefit people who, um, are in, who have that, um, you know, who would love to actually have house calls and you can also charge a premium for it. Um, other things, so in terms of what, what I just talked about here in terms of, of um, the predictions and what can happen, so it's going to be even more important to navigate the I can't afford it thing. And even more important to set yourself apart. Because, you know, when money, if money is tight or if more people are, are concerned about the money, then, then you can go one of two routes. You can either, um, you can either start to get worried about, oh, should I, should I drop my fees more or uh, start charging less? So, or you could actually charge the same or even more because aren't your expenses going up now that you have to do PPE stuff and, and then have the, um, you know, more, it just takes more time to be able to see patients because of, of navigating all the cleaning and all that. So then it's really a matter of a couple key things that determine what you can charge and get. One is your confidence level, what you have to offer. Two is how you're talking about it so people get it and they appreciate it, the value of it. Because you know, you're all in healthcare. It's not like people, if they might not spend as much money on clothes or, or buy a new car, but they still need help with their health. And so, um, so it's even more important to set yourself apart. The other thing that I think is gonna be important is to be able to bring in another stream of income. Uh, a side hustle? A side hustle. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna drive people crazy. So. Bringing up a side hustle. I am a, I am a learned doctor of learnedness with many mahogany bound books on or whatever leather bound books on my mahogany bookshelf. 
I don't need a side hustle, Chen Yin. What is this <laughs> nonsense? Hey, what if a side hustle brought in an extra six um, figures dollars a month, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, five figures, six figures, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, so streams of income that that are uh, established that aren't doctor centered. So if we have you have to quarantine again, the business can continue other than adjustments and, and treatments. So. Well, yeah, I, I think some chiropractors and I saw this in the Facebook group that we have uh, a couple days ago. Uh, one of the doctors was shocked, or he, he was shocked that MDs are retiring, like that they're they're walking away from serving. Hmm. And I said, well, it's, there's no problem there. They've made their money. When they're walking away, they're probably not just walking away from working their whole, they're probably, uh, they own real estate or they own commercial real estate or they own a medical office and other providers are providing the services. It's not like they're going off to go uh, whittle wood and, and fish for trout for the rest of their life. They're still working. Uh, the, the, the idea there was that the person making this post derives their worth from being a chiropractor and assumes mm. that medical doctors provide their worth or have their own self-worth built in the fact that they're medical doctors. And my quote was, I think some people think they have high self-worth or they're important. So they become medical doctors. And there are some chiropractors that say, because I'm a chiropractor, I can have high self-worth. Mm. And it's like, you can go out and do amazing things because you're an amazing person. You don't have to do them under the guise or the license of being a chiropractor. And I think it keeps a lot of chiropractors from doing things like serving in underserved areas, providing services for uh, 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 pro bono or charity work, um, going out and doing something else for the PTA or, or the 4-H or any other uh, organization that does not require you to show your chiropractic badge. Like there are, there's a trade-off to this chin to being a holistic provider is some people put all their self-worth into that holistic providership that they forget to be human beings in the process. And so if they forget that human being part of the process, they forget that they can also, if they're creative enough, create other streams of income, create other ways to provide for their family. Uh, they don't do the deep work of who am I? Why am I doing this? What am I doing on this planet? And how can I make a bigger impact? They're really going back to our original problem. They're, they're stuck on, I need more new patients. Like their whole life is, I need more new patients that they completely forget that it's not always about getting new patients. Sometimes it's just about uh, living life, I guess you could say. Yes. There's so many different things that, that, that um, docs can get involved with, with, with all the other talents and, and then be able to monetize it to, to help people. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, provide for the family. And so it's, it's actually really exciting the times we're in because I think people are, are even more open now just because of, of this. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm still back on needing more new patients because then you talk about prices mm-hmm. and so many of the chiropractors in our world are focused on the insurance based delivery system so they're really not even thinking about their prices. They're just really thinking about how many new patients can I get from XYZ insurance company and how much is the insurance company going to pay me? They don't even have a, a chip at the bargaining table for how much those insurance companies are going to pay them. They get whatever they get and they'll like it whether they like it or not. So they, when, when they're in that leaky bucket uh, transaction phase of like the only way to fill that leaky bucket is more and more new patients, price doesn't even become a matter. They just... They just hope somebody's there to fill that bucket so they can go home at night and feel like they did a good job. And no space in their brain whatsoever left for other streams of income or other streams of humanism. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
when when you have both you can have your cake and eat it too right yeah there you go <laughs> there you go um so there are some people that are quite busy right now and uh and i'm one of them too <laughs> i didn't expect to be this busy at this point in time um but uh be careful what you ask for because you just might get it uh, but there are some people that aren't as busy right now. So what kind of tips do you have for them for getting busy right now? So there are a couple of, of uh, key tips, and I want to share three of them with you. So the first one, uh, because I think it, these three can really make the biggest difference. The first one is more low-hanging fruit. So many of you already have patients, and it's a great opportunity to stay even more connected with your existing patients and educate them. You know, how many of your patients are, uh, you haven't seen for a little bit and they ha still haven't come back into practice yet. Or if they have come back, but then it, they uh, disappear for a bit. Um, so, because they're concerned about some reason about why, you know, about coming in right now. Um, and then, so staying connected with your existing patients, educate, plus also ask for referrals because your existing patients, from the perspective of if you want to attract new patients, you know, they have connections to, to people who could really benefit from your help if they knew about you and if you actually had more of a system and structure for inspiring those referrals without you feeling like you are bugging people too much or needing to be gimmicky because you're, you're a doctor, you don't need to be gimmicky. Um, so... A couple of quick tips here uh, that you can use in the practice right away. So one is, is for example, staying in touch. How? Well, you could stay in touch through email or texting or social media. And let's talk about email first, because the thing about this is what I'm sharing with you could also be tweaked, right? In terms of if something's uh, sent out by email, you only have to create it once. And then it could be used um, even in, in social media or other kinds of, of things. So what would you email out to be booking more people right now? So here is what, what I, um, I would send out. This comes from a consistent patient's formula for introverts. And it comes from the third step, the get the phone ring step. So write something personal about your excitement about reopening. Or if you are have already been open for a while, just then, then just talk about how you've personally been navigating this whole thing, whether it's, it's lately with the summer and kids, kids being home and, and uh, you know, so related to, to COVID or, so how have you been, been navigating it? And then bring up the protective measures you're taking at your clinic. And it's interesting because even, uh, even if you have shared protective measures you're taking at your clinic, I think it's it's still important to continue to share it because people there's there's misinformation out there there's a lot of information and, and so it's just helpful to to um, help people feel safe about what you're what you're really doing at, at your clinic. Then bring up why it's important to come in, including why it's important now more important now than ever. Um, you know, especially if if people have risk factors for where if they are um, in terms of if they are have respiratory issues or they have allergies or um, you know, diabetes. And, and then if they're not really taking good care of their health and their nervous system, it's, it's like when, if they were to get COVID, then, then they could actually be in, in uh, not very good shape right? in terms of uh, mortality. Uh, the, it's not showing to be very, very good when, 
uh, like compared to people who are healthy. So, so then uh, bring up why it is important to come in and then address the most frequently asked questions or concerns people are having about coming in. Um, and then finally, put something there that would be more of a call to action. So this is something where, you know, because you, have you ever sent out uh, things to your patients or done marketing before and then you, you think, wait, I, I told them about different things or I shared, I educated them, but it's not like they're coming in. So part of it is being conscious about what you're also doing to inspire people to take a certain action or, um, or book an appointment. So here are a couple of examples of call to action because how, how can you have call to action in your email or, uh, or in social media without feeling like you're, you're um, being, being gimmicky or, or, or pushy or anything like that. So uh, here are a couple that, that are working really well for our clients right now. Book your appointment now about that health issue you've been putting off getting checked out. Or, you know, book your appointment now about that health issue you've been ignoring because you haven't had the time. Um, if you've, you want to reference your close, reference clothing, then you can say something like, uh, book about the health issue you haven't been able to take care of now because we've been closed. Or bring up, you know, especially with, uh, with, People being perhaps under more stress during these times, or um, for example, if you do have kids and then having to, to take care of, of kids throughout the day, and it's a lot of uh, women and men are, are, it's like they're not putting themselves first right now, right? They're helping other people but not putting themselves first. So, so part of the call to action could say, take care of yourself by putting yourself first today. It's especially important to take care of your health during these times. Um, or it might be, you know, book your appointment now and get yourself first in line for, for your first choice of appointments as we, as we're opening here. So those are a few, few, um, templates, uh, in terms of what, what you, you can use from what I said here to, to actually send out and, uh, and then lead people to, to book, um, and I also have one that's more of a referral one here. So how many of you would like to have more referrals, right, from patients? And I, so here's a text uh, that you can incorporate. So one thing, how, I'm curious, I'd be curious uh, about texting. Do you, do you text currently in your practice, Bobby? I don't have automated texting, no. Established patients, we text, they text, uh, they have full permission to text me personally. Okay, got it, great. So then, um, so yeah, so texting can be a, a great avenue to connect when you know, you've got their permission. And um, why? Because a lot of emails are, aren't getting open these days. And, right. but then, you know, might be thinking, well, but I don't really want to mass text people because have you ever gotten a mass text before where you just feel like, oh, I'm not going to look at that. Yeah. Right? So um, what can we actually uh, text them so that they, they, it feels more personal. So for example, it could be something like, I've been thinking about you, excited to share that we're open. How are you? And then just leaving it at that. And, and then um, if they respond, perfect, then, then be in conversation with them like that. And then uh, if they don't respond, or if they do respond the next day, you could send something like, it's time for a tune-up. It's time to book an appointment. I have a few slots left this week. And then give give actual slot times, just a couple of them, not too many, but but uh, a few. And then uh, you can write, text me back if you or someone you'd wanted to refer or wants to take one of those spots. So notice 
something about that. So it says, if you or someone you had wanted to refer wants to take one of those slots. So one thing that can help with getting referrals, because did you know that 89% of people satisfied with your services are willing to refer? But guess what percentage often do refer? So many times it's like 29%, right? There's a study done on this. So why did less than half refer? And it's usually because of a few reasons. One of them being that- Expressive and extroverted. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them being that- that, they, you know, even if, if, yes, that certainly helps, right? When they are extroverted. Um, but then also the, it, you might not be there in their top of mind awareness. So if you yeah. can just plant these seeds in different ways, uh, whether it's by text or other ways that can help them actually come in. And this one, this uh, texting script was something that one of my clients did. She, she's, um, she'd been in practice for quite a bit. Like uh, she'd been in practice for over 20 years, uh, but it was, it was starting to get slow during COVID. And, and then I helped her with this. And, and then uh, when she would have cancellations, she would uh, just text this out and she would get those slots filled up more. And yeah, so and she, and she was busier than a lot of other docs out there at the time. Mm-hmm. It's just language for those listening. Be cool, man. Like I know, Chen used the word tune up and you wouldn't use the word tune up. Like just, it's just an example. Chill out. Chen, there's, there are people who listen to this right now. They're freaking out probably that you said tune up or check up or, you know, like use your language, be authentic to what you would use. The point here being is that not only do you provide a service, but people are also looking to you for leadership. And if you think their health is important, you should show leadership as their healthcare provider and um, obviously let them know that you're available, <laughs> available to provide more leadership. It, it's just like uh, right now in this world that we live in, language is, is being dissected a little bit too much. So I'm trying to nip it in the bud right now as people are listening before they freak out. Yes, and it is about using a language that, that resonates, right? Because they're, they're docs listening who are functional medicine practitioners yeah. and also yeah, yeah. and nutritionists and so yeah totally love that you bring that up yeah so she's mm-hmm. a professional uh, with a lot of clients so she's got to use language that's sort of genericized and then you specify it for yours you know if you're in santa cruz hey dudes come on in for your <laughs> whatever man just texas exactly. hey y'all do what you got to do don't don't freak out because she used the word tune-up um you know the there are so many different ways to go about this. We were going to go pretty deep in a deep dive onto uh, MD referrals. Do you think we can do that in a, in a part two on this? Sure. That is a big subject and I don't know if we're going to give it enough honor if we only, if we only gloss over it for a few minutes. Um, yes. So that is a, another uh, great strategy that is working right now in this climate and uh, and this is the reason why this this is so great is that MDs have so many patients in their practices and uh, who aren't being helped uh, through you know drugs and surgery and you you all have a, a, a role to play in in uh, their patients and uh, when they have those patients who need help three to five referrals a week from them is really nothing to them right like they in terms of it for those of you who might be thinking oh but i don't know about this and i feel intimidated or no mds aren't going to refer like 
they're always looking to get good outcomes for their patients. Just like with what you were saying, Bobby, you know, we all went into this to help people um, just train differently. And so, um, so then, and patients who come from doctor referrals tend to stay and also, I mean, they tend to listen to their doctors. They tend to be more likely to come in and also stay. And, um, and they're, it's just, uh, thing to say about that. Yes. And you also don't need that many doctor referrals too. You only need a handful of people who are your biggest champions. And, and it's one of the few strategies, because uh, if you're an introvert, you might be thinking, Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I have to talk to doctors <laughs> oh, or, well, for one, you don't, it doesn't have to be MDs. It could be the other practitioners, nurse practitioners, Absolutely. nurses. It could be um, physical therapists, therapists, psychologists. Um, and the reason why I'm so you know, I have a lot of clients who are doing really well with this and even have full practices primarily through this one approach is because I come from the perspective of having worked in different settings, come from a unique perspective. So having worked with, with in the hospital setting, outpatient setting, and um, at Merck and, and at the FDA. So giving docs, you know, giving chiropractors shortcuts. This. So yeah, so we could certainly talk about this, Gloria, in, um, in, in part two, for sure. For you, um, particularly when you encounter a chiropractor that is quote unquote introverted, mm-hmm. um, what things do you have to do for them to, I don't want to say get them out of their shell because it is who they are, mm-hmm. um, but what sort of, what what are the things or the avenues or the directions you use to show them that even if they are introverted, and, and I'm sure introverts have moments of extroversion as well like to capitalize on those moments of extra extroversion, what do you do to shake them out of their shell a little bit to get them moving? Cause you got to do something. If you're, if you're in the chiropractic business, you're a business person and most of you who are listening have to do something to get new patients mm-hmm. to maintain a business, to build uh, networks and bridges. Um, so where, where do you go with them? Like if you get a bad one and visualize in your mind, someone who's really, they like staying in the basement. They didn't know they were going to have to talk to anybody in this job at all. They just thought people were going to show up and lay down face down on the table. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And well, and you know, it's interesting because there, there are uh, a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be an introvert. Things like introverts are shy. Um, and because it's interesting, I only felt I only got to know this more when I really looked into this more. But not not all introverts are shy, actually. And and uh, in fact, I I, um, I have a a colleague of mine who is. I mean, when you talk to him, you would just think he's a complete extrovert. But he'll tell you, "Oh no, I'm a total introvert." Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I am. Um, I'm an introvert. Yeah. And I have a podcast, and yes, and you t- yeah. you would talk very. Like, um, open. That's why I have this podcast. I did, I did that on purpose because I feel like I was too inward focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which forces me not to be. Mm-hmm. And then as far as in a distinction of introverts is, is that we don't tend to like to make a lot of small talk. So there are a couple of uh, characters. So, um, you know, get straight to the point. Yes, check. <laughs> right? or, I check that one off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, also re- recover from, you know, from having more downtime alone versus, versus um, being with a ton of people, like large rooms with large, like tons of people in it. 
often it can be very draining for us introverts. It's not that we can't handle, you know, talking to people and walking around and, but it's just even more draining and and especially with lots of noise. Like I actually sometimes think about going to Cairo jam and I know one of my clients wants me to speak there, but I I just think about it and I just, I just get exhausted before I even. uh, Yeah. Well, for one, yeah, for one, we have a better event than that. So you can just come Mm -hmm. to our event instead and it'll be easier on you Mm because we're cooler than Cal jam and all those. But, uh, yeah, we put on a large event and my wife will, she will, um, she's not in her head if she's listening to this that, yeah, like I need about a week or two to recover after the big event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I turn off the phone and all that stuff just to sort of re recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And then also um, sometimes I used to, so I used to beat myself up all the time about this. So did you know that? So there's actually um, studies done on this where, where, uh, introverts tend to like our brains are a little different in the sense that introverts uh, so extroverts re, uh, take on information and then react and then they they uh, they take it in and then react at the same time whereas introverts they're, they they take it in and then there's more processing time usually and then 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 they they react and so what happened for me so even though i'm talking fast sometimes today but i used to talk really slow and then um, in some situations, I still talk really slow, right? And I used to wonder if something was wrong with me. Like I'm just <laughs> less smart than other people are. And then same thing with, with um, being in different settings where, you know how, how uh, maybe in school or just working in work environments where you're in the, or, or maybe at some um, conference thing where you're working together in a, in a team, in a group. And you might be in a group with a lot of extroverts and they're all jumping in and answering um, like oh we should do this we should do that and then an introvert um for example like me i'd be sitting there and i'd be thinking oh i still need to process this thing a little more you know and i don't have any ideas i don't have anything to say and i used to think that oh my gosh something's wrong with me i need to really really train myself to be better (laughs) better at this right um but then later on i realized it was it was actually common characteristics of us introverts where we might feel like oh we have something witty to say the next day that, you know, we feel like we should have said the day before. The next day. Yeah. (laughs) Suffer suffer at the speech and debate game too. Yes. Yes. Social media is so empowering for introverts. They can, they can finally formulate some good arguments because they can sit on a comment for about 15 or 20 minutes (laughs) and then come back with, with a zinger. So true. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you were asking about, well, you know, navigating and, and um, that I think the first thing, the first step is really, understanding um yourself so much better accepting for who you are yeah right exactly because i remember for example myself you know back then i just i beat myself up so much and that took up so much energy and it's almost like a geyser imagine if they're the power of a geyser um shooting up in the air but then you're trying to hold back all that energy trying to trying to keep that geyser from shooting up think about all the energy it takes to hold that energy down and and that's what happens if if we're you know sitting around being ourselves up about oh i should have talked to more people here at this conference because but i'm actually really tired right now i'm not going to right so for for example for introverts um if we're like that then it's a matter of honoring your own energy and flow so but then at the same time, so what I mean by that is if you don't feel like talking, then don't, right? But then if you do, then, then um, be readily available and, and um, be in the present and, and uh, know what you have to say is valuable. And, 
And then, uh, because have you ever had, had times where like you stood up and you, you, people weren't expecting you to speak. And then all of a sudden you spoke and everybody turned their eyes on you. And that's the power that an introvert can command. Cause we, yeah. you know, we don't have to be in the limelight all the time, but when we, when we talk, we, we might actually have something really good to say. Right. So yeah. Those were my better days when I was mostly <laughs> quiet. And then when I spoke, it meant something. Now I just talk all the time and it's not as impactful. Well, now you just, you're just a double extra impactful. Blah, blah, right? blah. Yep. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but, I, I um, think well, what we, what we encourage in the chiropractic success Academy is for people to get a Colby score to take the mm -hmm. Colby inventory. So they mostly just cause we want people to recognize who they are one, why they're doing what they're doing and then who they are and what, how all that works together so that when they do the, do the things that you're talking about, uh, marketing, communication, sending out text messages, marketing to MDs, doing all these things where they're reaching out, they're doing it in an authentic way because when they do it authentically, it doesn't burn through them as quickly. It, it's, it doesn't feel like a chore. It's actually a pleasure. I mean, yes, for when sure. Most people know that MD marketing is really, really, it's just having conversations with the people who work with the MD and they're just normal conversations. Like you're bringing over muffins, bringing over a basket of fruit, asking, you're basically asking the, the practice there, what are your challenges and what do you guys like to do? What are you, how do you look at the world? It's not, you're not going over to the MD's office to beg for patients. You're going over there to have a conversation and see if you can help them help their people. And once you look at it that way, it's a lot easier to say, oh, I'm going over to Dr. Smith's office and we're just going to talk. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And and then when we do part two, I also give some shortcuts to that. So you don't even have yeah. to go to the doctor's office <laughs> yeah, and bring muffins too. So, that's yeah. perfect. So and, what else do you got for this climate right now? Like, mm -hmm. what is What is going to work right now for people? Because... The MD marketing thing in some communities might be perfect right now, but it might just be only the perfect time just to build some con connections, but not actually make the ask, you know, let, let the MDs know that you exist. But um, like in our community, when COVID first hit, the medical doctor's offices were empty. They were ghost towns. They didn't even have anyone to refer to. They started clutching tightly onto their patients and saying, we're not getting rid of them. Um, so, so each community is going to be a little different, but what other things do you know, uh, fill the, fill the listeners heads with a couple of ideas or strategies for what's working well in the climate right now? Sure. So something that's working really well is to educate people, um, online. And why is this? So because like we talked about before, well, people are, um, looking more online these days, but then, you know, what, what doesn't work as well is just, um, you know, doing, for example, organic social media kinds of posts and that's about it. And, um, because for example, things like, like Facebook, you know, did you know that back in the day you could pretty much post on, on Facebook business page and, and your, what you post is seen by most of the people who like your page. But nowadays, um, in recent years, it's been as low as even 2.5% seeing what you've posted. So what that means is it what I mean they're really gearing people to to spend money on ads for for things to be even seen, and so um, with what I talked about earlier with with my prediction that I believe that there are going to be increasing ad costs coming up here because there's more players and and, and um, more driving the bid costs up, uh, then it's helpful to have other strategies to be bringing bring patients in 
also, you know, one of the reasons that, that um, and also educating, when I say educating, I mean doing speaking. Um, for example, uh, doing, um, I'll talk about some examples here in a moment, but, but speaking, but more online. And, um, and why? Because also one of the reasons why people may not be coming yet is because they quite honestly have no idea how you can help them. And if you are able to educate them and they're able to see if they resonate with you or not, then they're more likely to come in than, than if they saw something that was just an ad or, or they, they just talked to you once, that kind of thing. Right. So, um, and besides, if you were talking to them once, you'd ha it would take forever to network. And because how many of you just, you know, networking is not, not your thing with, well, I don't feel like having to, to talk to one person at a time. And, and yes, you're right. It's it can, uh, aside from MD referrals, <laughs> um, which could be really worth it because MD referrals, you could be getting referrals, you know, six months from now, a year from now. And, um, where, but aside from those kinds of connections, reaching out to people one by one, it, it can feel like it's taking forever to be getting more patients in that way. But if you're actually speaking, then um, you're educating. And, and you know, one thing it's interesting, um, for those of you who would like to have more of a uh, telehealth practice, or perhaps even consider offering different streams of income, um, and well, let's talk a little bit about, about uh, streams of income possibilities. So, for example, what's one uh, other stream of income possibility? Do you ever have things that you say over and over again and that are sometimes your patients don't remember everything and then you still are saying it over and over again? Well, what if you could actually put that into something that is teaching people and educating them and put it together in such a way that helps them? So you could even put together something that's an automated course kind of a thing on, on particular health kind of a topic or issue and, and then charge for it and make money from it too. Or what about providers? So if you are um, a, actually, uh, do you have things figured out in your clinic? And whether it is your great clinician with something, with a certain area, and, and, uh, or you are really good at, um, structures and systems within your practice that are flowing really well for efficiency, or you are really good with getting patients. Um, what if you taught that to other practitioners and not just chiropractors, but even acupuncturists or naturopathic doctors um, or functional medicine practitioners? And, and then especially if you have things figured out that could be, for example, if you, even if you have a structure for telehealth, um, visits. Oh, this is what to say in, a, in the beginning of a telehealth visit. This is how to structure it. This is what to send out by email. You know, if you do have things like that figured out, you could, you could end up putting that together in something that you charge for, for other, other practitioners, because other practitioners are looking to, to also be able to help more people and make money um, in other creative ways like this too. So, but if we look at things like that, then you might think, well, okay, that sounds really cool, but how am I going to get the word out there? Um, so people actually pay me for something like that. And, um, so one avenue is by what we're just talking about right now, um, speaking online. And if you were to look at, for example, Dr. Josh Axe or Dr. Mark Hyman uh, or Dr. Ellen Christensen, who's a New York Times bestselling author, what do they have in common? Well, they have online businesses, very successful online businesses, and also have had practices, uh, successful uh, practices and in, in-person practices. And they all started 
by speak with speaking as a as a main avenue of bringing people in, and they still do. Um, for example, one of my clients was actually a patient of of Dr. Josh Axe's, and he's like he he was saying, oh yes, I know he you know he builds his practice <laughs> quite a bit by by speaking, right? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so but you know, you all might be thinking, well, but okay, I can't be be doing things in in person kind of marketing, so. Uh, we've got restrictions with size and that kind of thing. So you could look at doing webinars or interviews or or videos, and and then um, those can end up even being automated. Some of them, but one of the most important things, though, is that there's a, a difference between between something that um, educates people and also inspires bookings, or also inspires people to take you up on what you have to offer. So it's really important to, it's like the question is, do you have a, a talk that like what I call more of a signature talk that, yeah. that brings in patients or brings in clients. So it not only educates, but inspires um, people to come from it because it's such a different skill set. So. Yeah. Well, and the people who want someone to come talk from are going to ask, what, what do you talk about? You know, you got to give mm-hmm. them something like, this is the thing I talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this is all, these are all fundamentals and I, I'm sure they're tough for an introvert, classic introvert to sort of wrap their head around, but you do have to build an audience. And I know that there's a lot of um, imposter syndrome going around. I mean, that's natural to, to feel like no one's going to want to hear what I have to say about anything. And uh, you've, you've got to do it. And then eventually you realize that what imposter syndrome is, is the idea that I'm going to be exposed as a fraud. I shouldn't be on the stage at all. Once you actually get on the stage, you realize, oh, I actually do belong here. I've done my work and I know what I'm talking about and I'm worth listening to. And then things really start blowing up from there. Then you start getting speaking engagements and people like what you're saying. You start actually liking what you're putting into your work as far as making speeches and talking and the product just becomes better. But you have to do it first. And that's the hardest part is just starting. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that when you have structures and systems that support that, then it just becomes more comfortable. You know, when you know what to say that will not only educate, but, but do you, um, yeah. Do you provide just, a system or a structure for people? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what, how, how, how can people uh, go further with you and, and figure out and access structure and guidance sure. and all those things? Yeah. So then what I decided to do, because um, I was thinking about what would really help those of you listening right now the most is that I'm going to give you first, I'm going to give you templates of, of some of the things that I talked about today. Cause uh, unless you were furiously writing, which I know some of you might be even driving listening to this, right? um, then you can just use it to copy and paste and, and swipe and, and, um, and then use it in your practice to be bringing in patients even this week. So I'm going to be, I'm going to give you access to that. Um, and then the, also another thing is about, um, you know, I'm hearing the, the challenge of, okay, how do I address some of these, these concerns that are coming up from people right now about coming in? And so we have a year long introverted visionaries, six figures plus mastermind, where we're focused on, um, taking people out of being the bottlenecks of their practices and then being able to run a practice that, that is fulfilling and, and um, also can be run without you. Um, oh, and so, oh no, you're going to give people panic attacks. 
<laughs> and then for we also have it we have, have clients in that who who uh, are wanting to you know go from either um making the six figures or six to seven figures we've ushered clients into seven figures within three to four years and from starting from from actually you know even i've, I've had clients being in the red when they first came to me and then ushering them into seven figures in their third fourth year so um but in that that mastermind so we actually had one session where um everyone came to the table with okay these are some of the the concerns that people are having right now and um and this is how we're addressing in our practices and we we um you know we put it into a, a template format plus i added in what's working for our clients uh, so i'm going to include that also so you can go to um introvertedvisionary.com forward slash life sorry forward slash ftc so introvertedvisionary.com forward slash FTC. And I'm sure this will be in the show notes too, right? And oh yeah, absolutely. I'll link this all over the place. Yeah. And then we're not I, done. I will, you and me, we're not done. We're going to do a part <laughs> two on MD marketing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm also inviting you to the virtual summit. You haven't Great. said yes or no, so I can totally edit this out. But uh, our business only virtual summit, we wanted you to do some talking about hiring staff and staff related stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy to help. And, and also I just want to mention those of you who, um, cause Bobby had also asked how to, you know, take this further too, for those of you who, who are in a place where you're feeling like you're at a, a plateau in your practice and you just know you're capable of so much more and that your income isn't really matching with all the knowledge and experience that you have. And you would like to be in a place where where you can just be the doctor and not have to worry about the marketing. Or if you are already at that place where you are busy, then I, let's get you to that next level of being able to even have the practice run without you. So you could actually be on, you know, on vacation and, and not having to worry about patients not being taken care of and money still coming in at that time. And, and so um, I've set aside space in my calendar for, for those of you who want to connect and, uh, you know, happy to give you insight into your situation and how, how, how we can help you. So um, at that link, you'll also be able to, to book a session as well. So, yeah. That's great. You're, um, so it's obvious that you know your business. It's obvious that you know what you're talking about. What I would like, uh, for those who, who, who don't, who aren't up on the stuff, uh, what Chen Yin is talking about are these four freedoms. Like entrepreneurship can allow you or motivate you into four freedoms. The the, the freedom we always seem to be focused on all the time is money, but there are other there are other freedoms that are allowed when you are a great entrepreneur. There's freedom of relationships, uh, freedom of purpose, freedom of time, as long as well as freedom of money. And when you really get to be really honed in as an entrepreneur, uh, those, those freedoms blow up for you. And that's what she's talking about here. Uh, Chen, I want you to do something. I want you to spend time after this podcast, giving yourself credit for being who you are and for taking that jump or take, you know, it's, it's not like you wouldn't have done it anyways. You know what I mean? Like you were driven to change your life for yourself, but I just want you to pat yourself on the back, give yourself some credit this afternoon um, and thank you very much for being on the podcast. 
Thank you, Bobby. And, and thank you so much for, for having me here. We just met. We don't even know each other, but I appreciate you already. So. Oh, thank you. So um, we'll work on that part two coming up, but hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Podcast, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Chen, thank you very much. 